Welcome to another message from Life Point Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on Life Point Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. So this morning is really, really a, a simple message um, in that I want to talk to you about going back to basics. You know, uh, several years ago when really Tiger Woods, who's uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's a, a professional golfer. When he was really at the peak of his career, he did something that people thought was crazy and that he said, you know what, there's some things that I, I see in my mechanics, even though I'm the best golfer in the world, there's things that I see in my mechanics that, that I'm not satisfied with. And so he broke down all of his golfing uh, habits, all his golfing disciplines to like, he just tore them all down and rebuilt them and became, um, some would say, a better golfer, uh, but improved his game. I think of a guy by the name of Brock Stewart. Brock Stewart's a professional uh, baseball player. He's a pitcher for, he was drafted by the LA Dodgers. I think currently he's with Minnesota Twins. But he had this incredible fastball, went through some challenges of being in the major leagues um, and uh, had some injuries, but recovered, went back in, you know, back up to the majors and, and was doing well. But then kind of same story. He was like, you know what, there's some things in my mechanics, some things that, that I am doing that I know that I could be better. And he had some injuries and had Tommy John surgery, so he had to rehab and all that. But it, through that process is now throwing harder because he went back to basics. He's now throwing harder than he was throwing ever before, which is absolutely amazing. When you think of standing at a plate 90 feet away from the, the pitcher and he's thrown 95 miles, and how do you even hit that? right? And, and yet that he was willing to break down and go back to basics. And so in Romans chapter 10, where we're going this morning, verses 1 through 13, Paul really takes us back to the basics of salvation. And I think it's exciting that we're just, I mean, we're just five weeks away from Easter, and, and we're, we're talking about salvation today. We are, we've been praying. We're going to be praying. We'll, we'll focus tonight at prayer about our five-friend focus, praying for the salvations of our loved ones, of our friends, of our families, of our neighbors, whoever they may be, um, that salvation is the beginning of a walk with God, right? I mean, you can't have a relationship with God if you've not encountered salvation. And, and so salvation is the key to the delivering power of God operating in the lives of people we meet. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone who believes. As a follower of Jesus, having experienced the life-changing power of salvation, you understand everyone's need and you should want that, that salvation for them, right? I mean, it's just like, man, I know so-and-so. I have family members. I have friends that are far from God. And, and, the, and the greatest desire in my heart for them is not that they would have a successful career, not that they would have a huge job or, or a big bank account. My, my prayer, my cry of my heart for them is, oh God, that they would know your salvation, that they would be impacted, that they would be changed from the inside out because of Jesus Christ. We understand everyone needs to experience that. There isn't anyone who doesn't need to know God's saving power in a personal way. 
It's what LifePoint Church is all about. It's why the church began in the late 50s when a group of people wanting the community to experience the power of God. So they began to assemble and pray. And our core values speak of wanting to see people experience salvation. I mean, one of our, our core values is that, that we would be a church that's loving people beyond our walls. That we would be a church that's empowering people to influence their surroundings. That I think part of our job, part of the pastoral staff's job, part of the elders' job is not, is not just to make sure our services are all are great and, you know, uh, smooth and, and you sense the presence of a God. Part of our responsibility is to equip and to empower you to go do the ministry and to, to touch lives and to, to bring the gospel to people that, that me or any of the other pastors will never have opportunity to meet. And you can speak into them. This is good for us to be reminded about the basics of salvation what Jesus did for us, what that salvation does for us, and be reminded that people can and need to be saved. I mean, you know, in a, in a Christian church, we think, well, duh. But we're, we're, we're in a portion of Romans, chapter 9, 10, and 11, and Paul is dealing with God's sovereignty. He's dealing with humanity's choice. He's dealing in chapter 11 with the spiritual state of Israel. And this morning, we're going to look at the, the beauty of salvation. Paul begins chapter 9, and, um, or excuse me, Paul begins chapter 10 in a similar way that he started chapter 9. If you remember chapter 9, I mean, he just kind of starts the chapter with this very um, powerful cry of his heart. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 10 says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, the, them being the Jewish people, and, and beyond the Jewish people is that they may be saved. He looks at the condition of his fellow kinsmen and his heart breaks over their spiritual state. He strongly writes about it, as I said in Romans chapter 9, the, the angst, the weight of it. And here in chapter 10, he opens up with brothers. It's, this, it's charged with emotion. It's charged with affection. And then he says desire, meaning it's his good pleasure. It's, man, it's the delight of his heart that they, that, that they would come and that they would know Jesus. He's moved by their lostness and the urgency to reach them. And when you look at our nation and the spiritual and the moral condition of it, it causes me to ask the question, man, is the cry of my heart, oh God, send a move, send a move of your spirit that people would know and receive your salvation? Because there's nothing else that's going to change our nation. Paul says, it's my biggest prayer that people would be saved. Let me ask you, do you pray that way? Why, why wouldn't we pray that way? Once we know how awesome salvation is and our hearts are, are, and we grasp in our heart what God wants to do in the hearts of people and our prayers are for that transformation in their lives to occur, um, man, it, it moves us to pray. And if we're going to see a move of God and if we're going to see people experience salvation, then, a pr then prayer is a part of that. Look, it's been said, history is silent regarding or regarding revivals that began without prayer. So with that, that's just promo or, or encourage you to come to prayer tonight because it takes, it takes us grabbing a hold of, of God in, in our prayer closets and corporate prayer um, 
for the presence of God to come. So, so let it be our heart's desire that people come to know Jesus. In, in Romans chapter 10, verse 2, it says this, For I bear with them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their law, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So what, what's Paul saying? I mean, you read that and you're like, man, can you unpack that for me, Steve? I'm glad you asked. All right, so here's what's going on. Paul is saying that they were zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. Well, what's that mean? In other words, their zeal for God caused them to try to please God in ways that they thought of themselves. Let me give you some examples of how that played out. In Exodus chapter 20, you have the Ten Commandments, correct? And in those Ten Commandments, those Ten Commandments, um, when you... If you counted out every letter within the Ten Commandments, you would have 613 letters that make up the Ten Commandments. And so what they did, in their zeal, in their desire to, to, to honor God and to show devotion to God, what they did is they took the Ten Commandments, counted the letters, and said, you know what, we're going to add to that 613 commandments. 248 of those commandments are affir were affirmative laws. 365 were negative laws. What did, what did they do? They confused the zeal of God for righteousness in God's sight. People do that today. They do it this way. They think that they're okay spiritually because they're passionate about something. They say something to the effect, well, man, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, and I'm not, I'm not into organized religion, but I'm passionate about uh, helping people. Uh, you know, I believe in justice, and I believe in social justice, which can be a good thing, uh, a passion for social justice. Um, you know, there, there's several things that, that are positive with that, but how many know a passion for social justice doesn't save you? I'm passionate about the needs of people around the world. They may say, man, a compassion ministries, I, I believe in, in feeding the poor. I believe in putting a pair of shoes on every, every kid across the face of the, of the globe. That's great. But giving, giving someone shoes is awesome. Their feet will thank you for it. But that doesn't get you to heaven. You know, they'll say, I'm trying to be a really good person. I, I do good things. But doing good things doesn't get you to heaven. People can be zealous about many things, but, but it's zeal without knowledge. Look at it, verse 2. For I bear with them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. It doesn't take into account of God. Uh, that God calls us to be righteous with him. Um, righteousness and zeal aren't the same. Okay? Zeal doesn't make you acceptable to God. Righteousness does. I mean, there's a lot of people that are, have done zealous things for God that, that are that are that are evil that are deceptive that that that's wrong right i mean we could I, we could break out a list do you think you ask the person do you think you'll go to heaven and oftentimes they'll say yes well why do you think that well i think that because i'm a good person 
Do you know what that statement just did? It establishes their own righteousness. Look at it, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So righteous acts don't make you right before Jesus. Your righteousness is established because of Jesus' righteousness. Stick with me. I mean, this is so good. Paul talks about that back in Romans chapter 7, verse 4. He says, so my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. Why did Jesus die on the cross? He died on the cross to fulfill God's law, right? Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. Who is under the law? Every single person is born that way, born under the law, the, the law written on their heart. Romans, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 20 record, talks about what's going to happen, that, that we're going to be judged by, people will be judged by the law there. But the law can't be set aside. It can't be ignored. It's everywhere. The Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., I've never um, walked through it yet, but, but have read um, about it and, and have had friends that have been through it and spoke highly of it. But in, in the Museum of the Bible, there, there's a room, a display within there that all over it, on the ceiling, on the wall, on the floor, all over it is, uh, you see the law of, of the Old Testament, all over it. I mean, it's everywhere. And in fact, not only is it on the wall, ceiling, floor, when you look across the room and you see somebody else in the room, it would be written across them as it's, it's projected across um, Nate's, Nate's chest or his back. Or, and and you, wherever you look in the room, you're going to see the law because the, the law is tattooed everywhere is the point. People can try to ignore the commands, but you can't escape them. They're everywhere. The revelation of God's law, you see it in nature. You see it on the heart you see it in society and the laws within society his law is just it is without error and the law demands punishment when it's broken right and the punishment we know from scripture that the punishment of breaking the law is death i mean sin is death and god i mean we just have to stop and we have to think wait so sin is death then that means that god doesn't wink at sin Oh, that one's not too bad. Oh, that one's, you know, uh, we, we'll let that one slide. His justice doesn't allow that. He, you know, he does, oh, I didn't see that one. Did you see that? I didn't see it. It's all good. It, his justice doesn't allow that. That's, that is why Jesus died on the cross, because we've all sinned. How, how did Jesus deliver us from the condemnation of the law? Look at it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions, adoption as sons. Jesus kept the law perfectly, and he fulfilled it. And on the cross, he took our place and became our propitiation, as Romans chapter 3, verse 25 tells us. He took all our sin upon him. And when he died, because you are in Christ, it's as if you died. So, Romans 7, 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. At Christ's death, all the demands of the law were satisfied. So, you're like, okay, um, Steve, what does that mean? It means this. When you become a Christian, you're dead to the law. How? 
because of Christ. It's, it's been, a bit, uh, been a bit since we were in Romans chapter 7, but if you remember, um, I shared with you all that, that dead people can't be charged with crimes, right? If, if you um, go out and, and someone, you know, ties a, several drinks on, they go out, they're drunk driving, they get in a wreck, they, they cause a massive accident, everyone dies in that car accident, the person that was drunk driving can't be charged with a crime. Why? They're dead. You may wish they could be charged, but they can't. They're dead. And, and because of Christ, what Christ did, that's what Paul is saying in Romans 7. As a Christian, you died with Christ. The law doesn't have any jurisdiction over you now, which is like totally awesome, which is like so freeing. The law doesn't have any jurisdiction over me. The law can't accuse me. It can't judge me. It can't condemn me, which is like an awesome time right now for y'all to be saying, praise God. Unless you want to be condemned, unless you want to be judged, unless you want to, you know, feel guilty. Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. What do you get for putting your faith in Christ? Righteousness. That's what you get. I mean, this is huge. Because there's a lot of Christians that struggle with guilt and condemnation. The enemy whispers to them. The enemy may shout to them about their failings. Oh, but you did. Oh, but you thought. Oh, but you acted. Oh, but you failed, messed up again. What does the voice, why does that voice seem so loud? Because it's a lie. But what silence is it? Because that, this is key. What silence is that voice? What will silence is knowing and understanding what Christ has done for you. That's why understanding the basics of salvation is so instrumental. When Jesus said, it is finished, it's finished. It's a period. It's not a comma, but if. No, it meant it's finished. When a person is saved, they are justified. What is justified? Justification, if I can take us back again earlier to Romans, justification is the act of God whereby a sinner is given faith to believe, receives forgiveness of all, everybody say all, all sin, past, present, and future. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And is assigned to them the righteousness of Christ. All sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Sin used to be your master, but now you're a saint. You are clothed in his righteousness. You are set apart. You are holy. Let me just say it again. You are holy. You, I mean, is this like, you're talking about me? Because some of you are like, I know me and I don't feel holy. This is the power of Romans 10.4. Righteousness is from Christ. Verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. We read 
the earlier books of the Old Testament, what's called the Pentateuch, right? The first five books of, of the Old Testament. And it's like, man, who can fulfill this? Who can, who can live this out and, and, and like do it successfully and do it without like, you know, that it would be easy? I mean, I look at it, I'm like, I struggle just going 30 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. One of the, the favorite things that I love about the Seder meal that's coming up, talked with Rabbi Cohen this week um, on Good Friday when we, we do the Seder meal. One of the, the most impactful things about the Seder meal for me is that as I sit there Friday evening and I listen to uh, Dale unpack the significance of the Passover meal and I, I listen to him talk about all the things that they had to do um, uh, to, to fulfill the Passover, to make it kosher and, and everything. And I'm just like, man, what a burden, what a weight. And I sit there and I think, dear Jesus, thank you for fulfilling all of that so that my, my approach to you isn't based on, did I get every bit of yeast out of the house? But it's because of your grace that I can come. Paul references Moses here because if you're going to approach God on the basis of I'm living a good life then you have to do so on the basis of the law and the problem is is that you can't keep the law so that means your good ain't good enough how many sins does it take for you to be marred? How many sins does it take for you to be infected? One. Just one. One's a big number, isn't it? In so many ways. If you're trying to keep the law, you have to keep all the commandments. Romans 10.5. And, and you can't do it. That's why you need a Savior. If you're going to bank on your effort, if you're going to bank on uh, you have to keep all the commandments, how confident are you in that? I mean, have you ever lied? Ever had a lustful thought? Ever, ever thought, you know, man, I, I really like that house. I really, man, that's a sweet car. Oh, man, that's a nice Jeep. Stupid Jeeps. If Jeeps would have never created, I wouldn't have ever coveted. Or what, you know, or, or man, I need that phone or that gadget or, or that status. If I could just get there. Just one. Who can, who can fulfill it? Paul is pointing us to the grace of Christ, right? Let me ask you a question. How tired were the Jews of trying to keep the law? Have you ever thought about that? I think, I think as you look and as you read through the Gospels, you begin to understand how, how tired many of them were, how weary they were of trying to fulfill the law. Because over and over again, people come to Jesus and they ask Jesus this question. What's the greatest commandment? With the idea that if, if man, I, I can't keep all 613, but, but if I can just do one. Look at Romans 10, 6. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. What's that saying? It's just telling us keeping the law is impossible. 
but salvation isn't impossible. The entire law section emphasizes the difference between law righteousness. As you look at this section in Romans 10, there's, it's emphasizing the difference between law righteousness and faith righteousness. And the contrast that's seen um, between the two of them. You can, there's a little graph that I, if you'd throw that up there, that this contrast kind of paints a picture of what the difference between these two are. Uh, <clears throat> for law righteousness, is, it's only for the Jew. It's based on works. It's based on, on self-righteousness. It's, it, it cannot save you. Obey the word. Um, obey the Lord. It leads to pride because you're like, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing a whole lot better than that person is. But faith righteousness, it's for whosoever. It's, it's for, it comes by faith alone. It's, it's based on God's righteousness. It brings salvation. Call on the name of the Lord and it glorifies God. He says, you know, <clears throat> when, you, when you think about this, and, and like to live in a, in a law-righteous mindset, it's like, you know what? It's this, all this effort. It's like, it reminds me, if I can just play this out, um, the theater of my mind to you it's like whoever can find the holy grail and defeat the dark night and, and come back with the cup will receive eternal life and it's not that way at all verse 8 says but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith that we proclaim again in the museum of the bible it's tattooed on you. The revelation of God is everywhere. There's natural revelation. The, the psalmist writes this. Night after night, the stars proclaim the glory. Creation proclaims the glory. The word of God, there's spiritual revelation. I mean, all, all over the place we see the word of God. You see it on commercial on tv you see it on the internet on billboards it's google i mean you can you can google what must how how can i be saved and bam up pops a list of 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 plan of salvation for you god is shouting to people how to get saved salvation is simple for us to receive it i mean simple in that it's available but it's costly. What does God want? No, that no one would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What do you have to do to get saved? Two things. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Lord means ruler. Lord means um, in charge. Lord means he's the one leading your life, not you. Believe is that I believe you died on the cross and that you rose again. So when a, when a person does that, the greatest miracle occurs in their life. They move from darkness to light, from death to life, from brokenness to wholeness, from judgment to adoption. Look at it, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved you will be saved for with the mouth verse 10 or excuse me with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved because of because of your salvation you, you don't face God as judge but as friend and father 
Man, I don't, I don't have to be afraid of dying and what comes next. And some people would be like, are you serious? And Pat Boone, when his wife passed away, he, he uh, said of him that he went home and, and posted something about her passing. And he wrote, change of address, not deceased. reminded of a story a friend shared with us a couple years ago this couple um, decided to go to Florida they lived up in the north and it was winter time they wanted to go to Florida to get some uh, warm weather and just a change of pace and they had difficulty coordinating their schedules and so the husband was in a fly out the day before the wife would join him the next day and and so he flew down to Florida checked into the hotel he decided as he got into his room opened up the laptop wanted to send his wife an email and uh, as he was typing in her address accidentally um, had a typo didn't realize it and sent the email to his wife in Houston a widow had just returned from her husband's funeral she got home decided you know there's probably some friends and family that reached out sent some condolences via email so she went to the computer just trying to pause for the events of the day as she just buried her her love and opened up her computer and um, saw the first message and she fainted fell on the floor her son rushed in to the room, found the mother laying on the floor in front of her computer. Her computer screen was on. There was an email um, on the screen that read, To my loving wife, from your departed husband. Subject, I've arrived. Message, I've just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. P.S. It's hot down here. <laughs> Listen, the beauty of your salvation is that you're justified. Justification is the act of God whereby a sinner is given faith to believe, receives forgiveness of all, all past, present, and future. See, I don't understand how God could forgive me of my past, present, and my future sins. Steve, how does that work? Well, just get over that because when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, you were nowhere to be found, but yet he died for your sin then. So why struggle with, how can he forgive me past, present, and future? And is assigned the righteousness of Christ, Romans 10.10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with, the, with, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. What's the difference between justification and saved? One is positive, one is negative. It's really two sides of the same coin in that justified is about forgiveness and faith to believe and clothed in righteousness, where being saved is about you're saved from from hell you're, you're saved from eternal judgment Romans ten eleven. for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame the message paraphrase puts it this way scripture reassures us no one who trusts God like this heart and soul will ever regret it will ever regret it 
No one who trusts God gives their life to Jesus. Paul is saying, you'll never regret that. Those who confess Christ as Lord will, will experience heaven. And it'll be like, I mean, do you ever think about heaven? What that will be like? I mean, there's times I, I, stop, I try to wrap my finite, puny mind around the thought of what heaven is. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more tears. It will, you know, streets paved with gold and, and just the grant, the presence of God where there's not going to be the need for uh, sun by day or moon by night because the glory of the God, the radiance of God will f- be the light for, that, for heaven. I mean, it's just like, woo! You know, how do you, how do you, I mean, it's just like, right? And you're like, all I did to receive that is believe in my heart and confess Jesus as Lord? I get to be there for all of eternity? Mm Mm-hmm. But listen, it isn't just heaven. It gives you a better life now. Better life now. I, I think about I think about this. I think about my own life. And 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 personally speaking, it's given me a better home than the home that I grew up in. In the home of being woken up in the middle of the night with your parents screaming and fighting and holding alcohol and threatening each other with alcohol. This is what you do, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, just stability and, and the favor of God over our lives through, through the 32 years of marriage where we're just like, man, God, I, we don't deserve this. We don't, I don't get this. I mean, why, you know, it's just like it, it, it has blessed and benefited our life now to follow Jesus I couldn't there's no way you could you could talk me out of it there's no there's nothing that you could offer me that would say you know what that would have been better if I would have done it that way there's nothing the the peace that that we've experienced and it's not man you know we all live in the same broken world right and it's not uh, compare it well you know if you would have this this and this happen like I had it's not a comparative statement I'm not comparing my pains to your pains and you're not comparing my your pains to my pain because we can't but I know compared to what I experienced growing up and since I've come to faith in Christ is better and heaven is going to be so, so, so much better than what's here. You're like, well, Steve, you make that sound really good, but I've made some really bad decisions. Painful for me, but also for others because they live in my wake. Is what you're saying true? The worship team would come. Romans 10, 12 says this. Listen to this. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Again, all means all. The gospel is for all. For all who call on him. The message paraphrase puts it, puts it this way in verse 12 of Romans 10. It's exactly the same no matter what a person's religious background may be. The same God for all of us. Acting the same incredibly generous way to everyone who calls out for help. Everyone call who calls help God gets help. And you come to him not on your own merit, not on your own background. You come to him on who he is. He's the God of all salvation. He's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all grace. He's the God of all righteousness. You do that, and the God of the universe walks with you, lives in you, and is going before you. Salvation um, can be all around you. Last week we talked about God's sovereignty and the role, our role in salvation. His word is all around us. Yet he gives you the choice to say, yes, I'll follow. He's not going to make you follow him. He's not going to command you and demand you to follow him but he wants you to follow him. And your decision to follow Christ will have, I can promise you this, will have an impact beyond just your life. In my office, up on my, um, on the top of my file drawer, there's a pen. Um, and a guy in, in uh, one of the churches we pastored um, worked with wood, and he made me this wood pen. And, and so I've kept it. He recently passed away. Um, but he was, a, he was a tough and rough farmer and was in, involved in a farming accident that, that, that really decimated his body where... Um, he was in a wheelchair because he, he couldn't function. He was, he could move around, um, but the nerve, his, the nerve damage was so, so excruciating that oftentimes, um, I used to preach a lot longer back when I was his pastor. I've tried to get a little bit better. Some of you are like, oh, you got a long way to go, man. But, but I could, I could remember looking out and Doug would be about, oh, about right where the shigos are and and I, I would look out and every once in a while you could see Doug just wince in pain because his nerves would start firing and he would you know um, no one he didn't draw attention to himself but every once in a while you would just see him grab the, the side of his wheelchair as that nerve fire and and Doug came to, to faith in Christ and his son had come to faith before him and, and had brought you know started talking to, to Doug about Jesus and following Jesus and, 
and and his son and family moved back and became a part of our church and then Doug started coming and Doug came to faith in Christ and and uh, and he was an incredible man he was it was just so fun to watch this transformation happen within his life I mean he was the that injury that he suffered um, you know he he did his best to fight through it and he was like Steve I want to get baptized and I'm like well, Doug, I don't know how we're going to do it because the 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 baptism you have to get up you have to go upstairs to get into our baptism of pink. And he's like, dude, I, Steve, I, w- I want to get baptized. I'll do the stairs. Doug, it's in a it's in a hurt like crazy for you to do the stairs and then get back down to the water. I don't care. I want to do it. And so we had baptism service one Sunday, and Doug worked the stairs slowly, methodically backed his way up the stairs, turned, away, turned around, back down into the water, grimacing in pain the whole time. And God transformed this man's life in such a powerful way in the ripple effect of that, that it brought into his family, brought into our church, brought into the community, and, and in so many different ways. And, and again, man, he wasn't, it wasn't that he was perfect, but it's a fact that the righteousness of Christ clothed him and transformed him and you could see it on his countenance you could see it in his perspective he just went home to be with Jesus about um, two months ago and all of that to say your decision to follow Christ will impact will have an impact way beyond just your life so I leave his little pin up just to remind me of, of a life that was changed by Christ and that God would write his signature across every heart and every person in this room. Because God's not done with you yet. And God wants to use you to bring the gospel to other people. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, as we bring this service to a conclusion this morning, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And Lord, we talked about the basics of salvation. Such a, a simple, simple message of believe and confess believe in my heart confess with my mouth and God somehow mysteriously in all of that you work within our life and you bring transformation the righteousness of Christ clothes us and Lord our mindset our heart heart shifts the things of this world the things that have been destructive in our life our patterns, our decisions, our appetites, God, begin to shift. And Lord, the fruit of the gospel, the fruit of your kingdom begins to dominate. The fruit of the Spirit begins to just flourish in our life or has opportunity to flourish. God, if there's someone here this morning, whether they're in this room or they're watching online and they've never taken that step, confess you 
and he'll receive you. Lord, I pray today that today would be the day of salvation for them. If you're here this morning and you said, Steve, man, I've, I've never, I've never um, asked Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I've never asked, made that profession of faith that you've, you've talked about. And, and I want to do that. I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead so that I can be saved and I don't have to depend on and have confidence in my good works because the reality is, is how do you know your good works are good enough? Lord, we can have the assurance that our hope isn't based on good works. It's based on what you did and you said it was finished. You fulfilled the law. My works didn't and my works won't. So God, I want to I want to take hold of what you did for me and allow you to be my Lord and Savior. If you're here in this place today and you've never asked Christ to, to be your Lord and Savior and you want to do that today, you recognize that I need to take that step. Just slip up your hand right where you're at. I love the privilege of praying for you. Anyone at all? God, you know us. Holy Spirit, we just want to sit in this moment. We don't want to rush this moment. We want you to have your way in our hearts and our lives. And God, if there's anyone here that's wrestling, they're sensing the tension, do I give up and yield and follow? Or do I go my own way? God, I pray that they would know salvation. And that they would take hold of what you've done for them, Father God. And Lord, for the rest of us, God, it's so easy for us to look down the road and to think, oh man, it's going to be so good when we get to heaven and, and our, our salvation is complete because we're out of this messed up, broken world and it will be awesome when that happens. But God, I pray that we wouldn't live so fast and so consumed with this life that we're missing out on the blessing of salvation in our life right now. So, Lord, I just pray, even during this song of worship, that there would just become this awareness of our salvation and the joy of our salvation. And, God, though maybe we're in a, in a perplexing season or in a challenging season right now, or maybe things are just full of blessing and, and uh, life is good, Lord, I pray that, that within the depths of our soul right now would just be, Lord, I just thank you for being involved in my life and that you are my righteousness. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name. Church, would you stand with me? This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Rains.